Our first reading tonight from the Old Testament is actually a series of Proverbs, so I'm not going to introduce each one individually, but they're on the screen. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing personal opinion. If one gives answer before hearing, it is folly and shame. Our New Testament reading comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 to 32. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbours, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labour and work honestly for their own hands, so, that, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you are marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Good evening, everyone. If I haven't met you before, my name is Christian, and I am the youth pastor here at Christ Church in the West, and it's just great to be with you tonight. I'm going to pray for us for our time now, and then we'll get into it. Lord God, we praise you, for you are a God of wisdom and holiness. And we thank you for your word that both speaks to us and calls us and saves us. And so tonight, prepare our hearts and minds and do a work in us, we pray. Amen. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. We've all heard this a million times before, but what is funny is that it's just literally the opposite of what is true. It seems to me to be an attempt to put on a brave face and hide from the tremendous power that words hold. We've all been hurt by words. In fact, I'd wager that most of us have been more hurt by words than any other stick or stone. But at the same time, we've all used our words to hurt people. Our hearts are skewed towards wanting to feel good about ourselves, so we put people down to balance the scales. Our hearts are skewed to wanting success and being financially secure, so we deceive people to get ahead. Our hearts are skewed towards justice, and so we repay hurtful words with cruel remarks. And our hearts are skewed to wanting to be loved by all, so we make false remarks of flattery. These values aren't wrong in their own right, but we often idolize them, and we use unhelpful, unrighteous, and foolish words to obtain them. Words are powerful. And they do far more than just convey information. They stir our emotions. They build people up and they tear them down. 
They empower people and they strip away their value. They're used for both good and evil. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can crush you. Proverbs is such an interesting book because it doesn't necessarily lay out for us rules or commands or even history, but rather principles and what it looks like to be wise and righteous. And Proverbs gives much attention to words in particular because words are powerful. I want you guys to consider Richard's favorite proverb. Like a maniac who shoots deadly firebrands and arrows, so is the one who deceives a neighbor and says, I'm only joking. How many times have you heard or used that phrase yourself? As if it suddenly evaporates whatever was said. This has happened to me many times, but after is what happens is important after, which is that I start to internalize it. I start to question it. Yeah, but what if I really do look like that? Yeah, I know they said they were joking, but maybe I really do come across that way. Perhaps there was some truth in what was said. Now, this isn't to say I am against banter. In fact, if you know me, I'm quite the advocate. But the point is we need to be watchful with our words. We can't go around playing Robin Hood with them. They're far too impactful not to give them the careful consideration they demand. Words can be life-changing, devastating, humiliating, and anything in between. And it's our responsibility, therefore, to wield them carefully. Renowned uh, German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche said this, All I need is a sheet of paper and something to write with, and then I can turn the world upside down. Words are powerful. It's not a surprise then that the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about them, considering both the damage but also the healing that they can do. We need to use them wisely. We need to be careful how we wield them. We need to treat them like fire. If you put fire in your fireplace, it will warm you up. It's wonderful. But if you get it anywhere else in your house, it will burn your house down. So, tonight, we're going to look at words in three ways. Foolish words, wise words, and words of the heart. The whole world recognizes the power the words hold, and even our wider culture rightly demands that with our words we ought to empower people and not tear them down. We call out people who are disrespectful, racial, or inappropriate with their words, We shout for words that show inherent worth rather than strip us of value. We both weigh and recognize the consequence of words, and so we demand boundaries, limitations, and restrictions around them. These are good things. We know that words can lead to war, set mental health ablaze, even strip uh, individuals of their value. But also, our words can change lives, build people up, and heal them. Our culture knows the power and impact of words and so often calls for righteous ways of using them. And in many ways, our culture is a silhouette of Christian living. However, our disposition to using words wisely is often thrown out when they seem to threaten our other values. If you remember last year, Scott Morrison took a holiday during the bushfire crisis And this caused quite some debate. Those who disagreed and saw this as an unwise decision reacted in different ways. 
On one hand, words were used that caught him out, but still sought to reconcile and restore him. But on the other hand, others piled on him, using their words to condemn, shame, and bring him down. It can be really hard to use our words wisely. It requires careful and calculated consideration, and it requires a heart for other people more than for ourselves. While the culture around us often, de- um, often demonstrates wise Christian speech, that is often eradicated once its other values are challenged. We are told, use your words to always affirm and never disagree with anyone, because to disagree is not to love. We are told to use our words to strive to get what we want, because we deserve everything and anything we desire. We are told that boasting about our achievements and success is a good thing, because we have earned it. Humility, that's for underachievers. So be proud and tell the world what you have accomplished. Use your words nicely, yes, but make sure that is never to your own detriment because at the end of the day, what is most important is you and your family and your happiness and if anything threatens that, well, you go and destroy it. If a white lie helps you get ahead, well, sometimes that's okay. Gossiping is justified as long as it is true. And what really makes us happy is money and success. And so, yes, use your words honestly and nicely, but if that holds you back from your best life now, well, then you should no longer be the case. As Christians, we too face these temptations. We too fall for these ideas. We use our words unwisely because our hearts also crave approval and value and security and love and meaning. And these are good things to want but we must not search to obtain them ultimately in this world. As Christians, we are called to walk and talk in another way. We are called to speech that glistens and reflects that our treasure is in heaven and not on this earth. We are called to speech that is centered on spiritual gain and not just earthly insight. So, what does Proverbs have to say about all this? Well, I've come up with a little acronym that I think helps to reflect what the proverb says are wise words. This acronym is intended to help you remember and apply words wisely in your life. Wise words are those that are honest, encouraging, centered on listening more, which means speaking less, and prayer. Let's begin with honest words. This seems obvious, but so much harder to do than we first think. We all know we should be honest. Anyone will tell you that. But that is quickly called into question when being honest is going to hurt us. Sometimes it's seemingly easier, less painful, quicker, and less complicated to simply tell a white lie and move on, right? How many times do we tell white lies and justify them because the cost of telling the truth is just too high? Being honest can cost you friends, hold you back in your career, It can mean making less money and can cause conflict. But Proverbs 19.1 says this, Better the poor walking in integrity than the one perverse of speech who is a fool. Honesty is food for our heart. It reflects the God that we believe in. God is the personification of truth and honesty. And these qualities hold far more value than any amount of money or approval gained by false words of flattery. Being honest also means opening up about our faith. 
when we feel we're in the deserts and the valleys and the mountains and anything in between, taking off the mask that we wear and being honest with other believers about the struggles and the sins and the doubts and the trials that we are facing so that they can direct us back to the Word Himself, Jesus Christ. To be honest is to be vulnerable. To be vulnerable is to trust the community of God's people that He has put around you, called to restore you. Secrecy, deceit, lies, sin, all these things flourish in the dark. Bringing them to the light dispels their power. And likewise, be honest in your words of concern for others. Loving others is not about affirming every action. Loving your brothers and sisters is about directing them to Christ regardless of their actions. Jesus always spoke the truth, even when it cost him followers, even when it caused outrage and rejection. He always was honest. But he always did this with great love and gentleness, full of grace and mercy. And being honest also means putting the value of truth even above your career and your pay. Not submitting to the work culture that demands deception in order to get ahead. It means not succumbing to the gossip taking place about someone in the office, in the field, in the online work chats. It means not speaking ill of someone else because they too are after the position that you're applying for. Be honest. Now, the book of Proverbs is called the book of wisdom for a reason. It's a toolkit that we ought to store up and apply wisely. But that doesn't mean it should be deployed a certain way in every circumstance. And so, being honest doesn't mean that we must publicly confess all our sins or tell every person exactly what we think of them. That's not going to end out well. Proverbs gives us principles that we need to apply appropriately. That is why it's considered wisdom and not a set of rules. Be honest. Be wise. Speak truth with grace. encouraging. I can't count the amount of times I've been hurt by people who use their words to point out ways that I fall short. And this is not in ways that are spiritually helpful to help me be more faithful, but in ways to tear me down so that they themselves appear better than me. And most of the time, it seems as though they didn't even realize what they're doing. And so I have to ask myself too, how often do I use my words to bring others down without even realizing it? let alone the times I am intentional about it. We are desperate to feel good about ourselves, and sometimes we say things to help us feel or appear better than someone else. Or how often do we boast about ourselves, our achievements, and how good we are? How often is our speech centered on ourselves as if we have it all figured out? We heard in Ephesians 4.29, Paul says, Let no evil come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. Use your words to encourage people, to be more focused and more concerned about uplifting someone rather than bringing them down. Too often do we say unhelpful things that cause inward doubt and pain in others, and we disguise this as a joke, when in reality it is just really an attempt to hide our own insecurities. But I love Proverbs 12:25. It says, anxiety weighs down the human heart, but a good word cheers it up. Or as we heard earlier, pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. We all know the feeling of heartache, but a simple, 
kind, encouraging word can cure all of that. So encourage one another. Love one another. Have a heart more set on others than yourself. With your words, serve each other as Christ has served you. Now, this is all good and uh, true, that honesty and encouragement are keys to wise words. But the question is, what's going to help us do this well? L, listening. Listening more and speaking less. It can be hard to do this because we like to think that we have all the answers and advice and instruction when people come to us with their fears and problems. But the truth is, the wise hold their tongue. The wise listen and consider and sit with others before speaking out. I know for me, I often think I have an answer and advice worked out before another person has barely begun to explain anything at all. Listen more. Really take in what is being said and consider it before speaking. Last year, we made our way through the book of Job. And if you remember, Job's friends, they started off so well caring for him. They sat with him, they listened, they were quiet, they even mourned with Job. They were wise because of their lack of words. In fact, it was only once they started to talk that all problems broke out. They stopped listening and instead shifted to chapters upon chapters of words that actually was neither helpful nor accurate. They assumed to know how and why Job was suffering. Their words were full of supposed solutions and accusations. Proverbs 18.2 reads, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing personal opinion. Before speaking, ask yourself, is this necessary to say? Will this be helpful and does it take into consideration what is being shared with me? Or is it something I've already stewed up before really hearing the other person out? Listen more and speak less. And prayer. Prayer is such a powerful reality. And so many times have we all seen prayer so obviously answered and the power of God so readily and immediately at work through it. But at the same time, how often do we treat prayer as a plan B? We think, well, I'll try this and that and this and that. And if that doesn't work, well, then I'll pray about it. But prayer has to be plan A. Our prayer is an outworking of our trust and reliance on God. Use your words to pray. I want you guys to think of someone you love dearly, but at the same time, they frustrate you so easily. You've got someone? Some of you are like, yeah, they're sitting right here next to me. (laughs) Okay, well, I was having a conversation with such a person a few weeks ago. And I could feel my frustration rising and emotions starting to get all tangled up, and I knew where this conversation was heading. But instead of letting it run its typical course, during the conversation, I said a quick prayer in my head along the lines of, God, help me not to give in to my frustrations. Help me to be gentle with my words. Now, I didn't say anything extraordinary after that, but the conversation went well. I was able to keep my words gentle because of God's help. In every circumstance, use your words firstly to speak to your Father in heaven, and then he will direct you. So, in summary, how do we use our words wisely? We use words that are honest, encouraging, centered on listening more, speaking less, and prayer. And hopefully this acronym will help you to remember this in the future and what it looks like to be wise with your words. But, but, at the same time, 
this is only going to get us so far. Because fundamentally, we don't have a word problem. We don't even have a wisdom problem. We have a heart problem. What is behind our unwise and unrighteous words? They're idols that we look to, to fulfill our desires of love and meaning and value and security. In the early chapters of Proverbs, from uh, chapter 3 and 4, you hear this. Trust in the Lord God with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. And above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Above all else, it says. What is of first importance, what we cannot afford to miss in all of this wisdom, it says, guard your heart. To guard our hearts is to have it set on its creator. To guard our hearts is to yield it to its author. To guard our hearts is to love the word of God himself, the one who first loved us, Jesus Christ. Jesus came into our broken world to rescue us, to testify to the truth. But when he spoke truth, he was hated. When he spoke love for sinners, he was detested. When he spoke of forgiveness, he was accused of blasphemy. And when accused, he gave no reply. When mocked and devalued, he remained silent. And when he hung on that cross, even then his speech was full of grace and mercy. He was someone who embodied wisdom, the very source of righteousness, yet he was met with sorrow and rejection and pain and even death. He was mocked and spat on and treated like a fool. He was hated and devalued and had filthy words hurled at him. Yet with just one word, he could have had 12 legions of angels by his side. With one word, the whole world would have ceased to exist. With one word, he could have been back by his father's side in glory. But instead, he endured it. Instead, he remained silent. Like a sheep being led to the slaughter, he did not open his mouth. Why? Why did he do all this? To demonstrate his love for you. The one who embodied wisdom and righteousness gave himself for us, for the unwise and unrighteous. And by his wounds, we were healed. Through his death, he spoke life into our hearts. And today, he says to you this. He says, I love you, and I've done everything you never could. I gave up everything for you, and I am all you ever need. And so take refuge and trust in me. Jesus speaks such words of mercy to our hearts that we no longer need to speak of words of condemnation towards others. He speaks such truth and value into our lives, we no longer need to lie or gain approval from everyone around us. Jesus' speech is so full of grace that we no longer need to bring others down in order to feel better about ourselves. Jesus loves us so immensely, so unimaginably, that when we don't receive love from others, we are crushed because we are filled with His perfect love. You were made for Him. And only He can truly satisfy your heart because only in Him are the desires of your heart met perfectly. He's both the creator and the fulfiller of our hearts. 
And the more we grasp the love that Christ has for us, the more that that will equip us to use our words wisely, because the idols behind our foolishness crumble. Be wise. Direct your words in response to His perfect love. Praise Him with your lips and give your whole heart to Him, the one who has given His whole heart to you, the Word of God, the author of your soul, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory forever. Amen.